right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Allendale Market Talk with yours truly, Ben, and my partner in crime, Greg McBride. Greg, how are we doing today? Good, Ben. Good to have you. I know this is a big deal for you. You're running the show now. So um, what do you want to talk about today? What should we talk about? Well... I think we can get our feet wet a little bit and talk about what uh, what we saw today in the grains or what we think we're going to see. What I'm nervous about really is what this Fed's going to be doing here next week with their next meeting coming up. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily is what they're going to do. I think it's what they're going to say, don't you? It's more of a what's the stance that they take when Jerome Powell speaks after the Fed minutes come out on Wednesday? Right, because most of everyone is expecting one more rate hike. Yeah, that's what 88% yeah. leaning that way. Right. Yeah. And so it's not a question of if they're going to raise it because really for the past since they've been raising the rates it's always we're going to raise it whatever they say they're going to do they end up doing during that time. But mm-hmm. like you mentioned, what are those minutes? Why are they raising the rates? What are they seeing? Are they continuing to see cooling of inflation? Are they are they seeing the jobs um the job uh, jobless claims continue to to rise or is that starting to cool off too and the you know are we going to start seeing a recession fear start coming back into play yeah something to watch will be the uh, the wages too they talk about uh, you know wage inflation if that has curtailed uh that could be uh, that could be an issue um the other the other thing is uh, what do they i mean what do they have to say about the state of the banking system? We saw the, you know, we saw the breakdown of things last last month, with right right around the time that they uh, they had their uh, their last FOMC meeting, and uh, they they acted, they made their move, kind of supported the banks and the and the FDIC and all that stuff, and now it's you're now you're getting earnings and you know you're getting some more of the data some of the fallout from that like um who was it first republic uh, reported uh 200 billion or 100 billion uh in in deposits that were down yep. um last month and that's that's a huge issue or last quarter i mean and that's a huge issue uh that's something that uh, you know i think you're one maybe two bank failures or bank i guess bailouts yeah. from seeing the fed really have to pump the brakes on this uh, interest rate thing right but that puts them in a hard spot because if they continue to increase the rates that's going to slow down the inflation issue that's going to uh, slow down the economy which is what you know needs to happen with how hot it's been for the past few months well, for the past few months has been declining but prior to that we're still at a very high level for gdp growth and whatnot mm-hmm. and i think um if they continue to, to if they stop raising the rates sure that'll help the banks but then you get put back in this inflation fear but at the same time are we seeing spending slow down from people i mean people are still buying houses and new cars yeah i don't think you're seeing that i and i think the the thing uh, which is another another good topic to 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 be looking for out of jerome powell when he speaks is um consumer credit you know consumer spending are those numbers tightening up is the amount of money in everybody's pocket a little bit less than it was uh, previously because if that's the case that's where you can start to see the signs of a recession coming is that people have to pull back on those purse strings and that's you know the inflation conversation is is extremely important because 
if they pause and they pause too soon, or let's say they start making cuts in what, like September, so it's the third or fourth quarter yeah. of this year. Let's see. Let's say they make uh, make some cuts in in September. All of a sudden, you've got a situation where you've got reflation or or hyperinflation. And it goes the other way on them. Look at, I mean, look at uh, the situation in uh, in the UK. They just released their uh, their CPI data it was ten point one percent. I think Reuters was looking at nine point eight as their yep. uh, their poll, and that's while it was down. I think it was ten point four in the month of March or in the month of February. Um, it's down, but it's still it's the highest in Europe. And that's one of those things that they're, they, they've obviously proven they don't have it under control just yet. And that's that can get you into a lot of trouble. You, you will spin yourself into a recession, and recessions tend to be like dominoes. They, you know, the next one falls, and, and maybe it's Europe. Maybe it's the right. U.S. God knows. I mean, China feels like they're in a good spot with the GDP number they put out last month. And that's a good this that's month. a good transition because I was thinking how does this pertain back to our grain markets or mm-hmm. our our input energy markets right for for a lot of the listeners here that's probably something that's on their mind and when it comes to China one of our largest trade partners their GDP numbers look good now yeah. you got to take it with a grain of salt because we don't know exactly what's going on in there. They have a lot of control and how they want to be proposed out there. And there's been a lot of talk of how they're restarting their economy and they're getting back up and running. But at the same time, how can you believe that? Is it is that true or is it more of a house of cards that could come tumbling down just as quickly as it looks as good as it does now? Well, I think they're spotlighting um, certain areas that are stronger. You know, I mean, we know that their housing market is in shambles. That Evergrande deal is 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 a house of cards. Right. It's ready to collapse, and and it's not just it's not just Evergrande. There are multiple uh, groups over there that are uh, kind of teetering on that uh, on that failure point, and so that's that's a big issue, and that's a generational thing. Because if you think about the, the way that the housing market works over there, you've got you know, multi-generation families that are putting money into these things and not seeing a return on it, and they're actually stopping production on some of these uh, some of these places that people are buying with their parents, their grandparents, and, right. and whatever. So there's there's an issue there, and then obviously, you know, you've got uh, the the whole um, the whole situation with. Uh, who they buy from, right? You know, we we just saw yesterday the cancellation of three hundred twenty seven thousand tons of corn. They were they were a big buyer for a while there. What uh, three million tons, something yeah, like that? They were, they were buying it early. I think it was beginning of April. They had de- some decent buys in there that were pumping up this market, which was nice. But they're not buying, or they start canceling, like we just saw. Yeah. And after a price move like we saw today in the market, does that have to do with? Is that purely demand? Is that purely coming from a lack of demand that we're seeing in our grains, or is that an overarching macro uh, selling or risk-off mentality due to more talk of these recession fears coming in? It, it, some of it could be that. Some of it is also geopolitical. You look at this situation with us in Taiwan and or them in Taiwan and and many others, and you notice that in th- in all of this, the quietest mouse in the group is is Brazil. They've got they've got the most supply, and they're sitting back saying, "You guys fight it out. We're here for you when right. you need us." They're selling it for dirt cheap. It's something it's something silly like two dollars less a, a ton or yeah. something for them to be buying it from Brazil. So, and they've got it right. 
and the and they're and the U.S. is buying it from them, right? Because well, we, we typically do this time do. of year, yes, yeah, right. but still, I mean, the fact that we're buying it is, I mean, show, goes to show that I mean, it is for two dollars less. I mean, why it's yeah, two dollars a bushel less is is insane, right? I think that that is a record. Before it was like the the record was like seventy or eighty cents, right? I think that's isn't that what the corn is now, <laughs> right? I mean, think about that. When you're talking about roughly $6 corn in July, uh, in the July contract, and it's 70 cents cheaper to go to Brazil, and it's, and of course, you know, they don't have it necessarily to ship right now. They've got some old crop, maybe. They've right. got some of that first crop uh, available. But the big, the big one is, is Safrina that's not going to be harvested until late May at the earliest, early June. So... Brazil continues to just kind of play that game of we are neutral. Don't we're not going to say a word. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. their president was over in Europe uh, uh, the last couple of days, and and he says, "I'm not here to please anybody." Right. I'm. I, it's basically I want to get Brazil back to being a superpower. And so it's not that he's trying to please anybody, but he's also not trying to piss anybody off. Well, the other thing, too, is that you have this whole – we have NATO right now, and we have the U.N., which is great. But you also have this up-and-coming BRICS deal, mm-hmm. which is going to be Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, I believe, is the is the S part of it, BRICS. And with – if. Brazil's president is trying to become more of a world player, world power. He already has the ag, ag's there, and he's trading with China, a yeah. major buyer of it. So, I mean, you could have that playing into things too, where he's trying to make things, you know, more accessible to become friends. It's easier to trade with China, who's willing to buy it for two dollars less beans or seventy mm-hmm. cent less corn. I mean, why not? You yeah. get yourself out there, make those ties, and and you've uh, got a record crop to go with it. Right? They had a great growing year. They had a great <laughs> harvest. Yeah. You know. Um, something else I want to talk about too is this wheat market. Yeah, uh, wheat sucks. <laughs> wheat's not a fun one. Anybody that's uh, been a customer of mine for the last five to seven years should understand how I feel about the wheat market. Yeah, uh, the wheat market. Um, you know, fundamentally, I demand is is low, but. You know, from what I've been hearing from a lot of my customers and from what you've been getting back from the USDA in terms of uh, the ratings, the wheat the wheat doesn't look good out there. Yeah, I, I, I continue to say this, and I've been saying this about uh, uh, in kind of the opposite uh, effect for, for cattle, but the wheat market, just about everything out there is neutral to friendly. There's nothing that's truly bearish outside of the the export demand situation. Right. The production here in the U.S. is sounds like it's going to be atrocious. It was a little bit rough last year. It was it was still decent, yeah. but you we used to sit and we talk, I think we talked about this before the last uh, uh, conference. We used to sit somewhere around a billion bushel carryout every year. Every year in wheat, right? It was like solid. You could you like could set your watch to a billion bushel carryout, and now we're we're hovering what six fifty? Yeah, it's right tightened. around. It's yeah, it's it's a lot less. And even though the prices are elevated, you'd think you would have seen that when we were at thirteen dollar wheat last year, right? And that's and that's something that you know. There's the you've got the production issues here. Um, 
uh, potentially. Aust- yeah, uh, I mean because yeah, it looks well, ugly. I mean, who knows? We're at five percent planted for for spring wheat. Uh, you're you're two weeks ish away from basically cutting that and switching it over to, to corn. Um, you've got the potential for an El Nino event uh, in Australia, which is not good. That is that is basically the opposite situation of what we deal with when it comes to El Nino. It's a drier period for them, and that's not what they want to see when they're in in wheat uh, production phase. So, you know, between now and, say, November, if they go real dry... We could have, they could have some issues. I mean, Australia is a big player in the wheat market. They're a big player in the cotton market when it comes to exports. So take that, and then does Russia rip up the export corridor? I mean, that's the way it sounds. I know. You're starting to see more and more rumors that, you know, I mean, this, this export, the corridor itself, right, they've been sending drones, I think sea drones in there to hit the ships or the ports that are coming out with the grain, first of all. Second, you have this deal that was supposed to be going, or this agreement of keeping it open till the 18th of May. Mm-hmm. We're already in May almost here come the end of this week. Yep. And so there's a lot of talk of that coming to an end, but at the same time, you're you're shortening it up by two, maybe three weeks at this point. Even if that does come to an end, it's still being discussed. So let's let's say they do cut it short. Is that really going to impact the markets that much in terms of exports or expected exports? Because we're not really bouncing on much of that news either. No, but Russia's never Russia's complaint about this whole this whole deal is that they've ne- they've never gotten what they wanted out of the the shipping corridor, and. A lot of that or most of that wheat that uh, or even just grain and, and exports in general that was coming out of Ukraine was supposed to go to impoverished nations. So we're talking we're talking third world countries here. It's getting to Europe, to the EU, right. and it's stopping. And that's been their biggest complaint. And that's one of the reasons that we went from 180 days to a 60 day agreement. Right. And even with that 60 day agreement, they've been just nitpicking it nonstop. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to side with the Russians here, but I mean, <laughs> I, I see their point. You understand where I they're coming s- from? I, I do. I mean, I, I see their point. It's, it's it, this whole situation. It's, it's like I want to find something that's that's a smoking gun that's bullish for the wheat market because I feel like it's, it's undervalued. You look at where it is versus corn. It's, it's. Barely over corn right now in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and typically you could put a, a dollar to two dollars uh, different uh, on that. Right. But it's it's just it's like we're we're on the cusp. It's just a timing issue of right. when this thing takes off, and and maybe it's a maybe it's the production issue out of out of Kansas. I don't know. I, I three to six inches of rain over the next the next week or so. Down there, well, that sounds like either it's it's going to be a no help because the crops already yeah nothing anyway gone. yeah or shoot they might flood it out <laughs> right it's too much or too little all yeah. the time it's, I mean, it's that time of the year that's right I don't know I I I want to be I want to be bullish on wheat I do hate trading wheat because it's you know the old saying trade the wheat sleep in the street but it's like it. It feels like there's something there, and I feel like right now, if we're going to get a move, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, but if we're going to get a move in the corn and maybe the beans here over the next few weeks, I think the wheat has to go with it, or maybe the wheat has to do some of the heavy lifting. But that's so. That's what my my next point was going to be. This this wheat corn spread that could be getting 
a little bit of life to it. If if the wheat does catch a bid and you start seeing that premium that's usually on the wheat over the corn start being added on mm-hmm. as we go into this harvest season, if that wheat isn't there, right. you know, even if corn, if demand does start picking up for a lot of these grains, I think that wheat corn spread could be something to take into consideration as as we go into the growing season for corn and if wheat's not there or if El Nino really does affect Australia, mm-hmm. you could see a little bit of life and an addition added up in yeah. there. Because I think there's one more thing with with the wheat market and, and well, it's the same thing with um, – uh, with the the grains in general is is if you're talking about a uh, an El Nino event and this is where we'll probably cut it off but if you're talking about an El Nino event that's that's just plenty of moisture in the atmosphere here in the U.S. that leads me to think that this is one of those years where you get a spring rally and this isn't like the last two years you've got to make sure that you do something with it because if we've got plenty of moisture in the atmosphere. You've you've got to think that that crop is going to get made in corn and right. beans and you know second crop beans whatever it is but there's going to be something there now they are there is talk of maybe some late season dryness but if it's you made, get past the yeah. you get past that point of no return and it's like well what did it take off half a bushel maybe so. I don't know. I, th- I yeah. think there's, I think there's a lot of a lot of excitement coming in these markets. I think there's going to be some upside. It's just a matter of you got to do something when you see it, right? And yeah, making those sales when you have them. So, uh, Greg, always fun having you on here. We'll see if we can get some some more guests coming up here over the next few months. But um, as always, guys, we're always happy to talk to you. Check us out online. Give us a call at 1-800-2-MARKET. That's 1-800-262-7538. And uh, with that, Ben, I'm out of here. Greg, I'll see you later. See you, buddy. Have a good one, guys. Hey.